Hello, and welcome to Trending Peoria. I'm your host and proud Peoria Unified alumna, Sarah Meredith, and I'm so eager to take you on this journey as we learn more about the importance of public education and the amazing work our staff do every day to ensure every student is prepared to not only meet tomorrow, but to help shape it as well. What's currently trending in Peoria Unified? Rigorous curriculum and engaging learning environments. In education, the word rigor is often used to describe the way we approach teaching and learning. However, there is a lot to learn when it comes to pushing our students to reach their fullest potential. Today, I am joined by our Executive Director of Elementary Education and Curriculum and Instruction, Marla Hobbs, and Ironwood High School teacher, Amy Hutter. Hello and welcome to Trending Peoria, Marla. We are so excited to have you here today to talk a little bit about rigor and what that looks like in classrooms all across Peoria Unified. To get us started, do you mind sharing what a rigorous learning environment looks like and what does rigor mean? Sure, Sarah, thank you for having me. Rigor really is um, challenging students to think and participate and learn at higher levels um, with new and interesting ways. So this can be done either through teacher questioning or having students think through a process rather than simply providing them the answer. The classroom environment um, is such that is it's an expectation that every student is able to learn at high levels. Rigor really can be embedded into a lesson itself, or it can be a lesson itself can be rigorous. Um, inquiry lessons are a perfect example where students have to have some academic struggle to learn the concepts rather than the teacher just providing, you know, the answer to the question. Uh, some academic struggle is good. It also stretches our students to think critically and creatively. Um, engaging students in rigorous thinking leads them to become problem solvers, analyzers, and synthesizers as well. So that's what we expect here in the Peoria Unified School District. Definitely. And I know you kind of touched on it, but why is it so important that we push our students to reach their fullest potential and we increase that rigor? Um, do we see impacts in our test scores or are there other ways that we see the fruitfulness of increasing that rigor in our classrooms? Well, it's always important for students to be challenged. Um, they advance their skill set and understanding of a concept or standard. So when students are learning at high levels, it does impact test scores, especially assessments that are created to engage students in a task and questions um, to help them have deeper levels of thinking. Um, assessment is part of rigor and how students think is gauged alongside the content that they're learning. So when students are challenged, their test scores tend to be higher than if they were in a classroom when there wasn't as much rigorous learning and academic struggle on behalf of students. And when, and when we talk about those assessments too, I wanna make it clear, it's not just like state testing that we look at for those assessments. We have all different assessments that happen all day long, whether they're formative or summative assessments, correct? Absolutely. And in fact, an assessment can be even just a ticket out the door where students um, participate by giving the teacher what they 
they learned during that time and maybe even asking a question back to the teacher of, of something else that they thought of or that they wanted to engage in in the next class period. It doesn't always have to be paper and pencil. Definitely. And I think one thing that is really um cool to see too when you're looking at some of those formative assessments and students who have grown up in a rigorous learning environment who have gone through that they enter college and career they start to like do some of them those formative assessments for themselves so if you're in a meeting and it's like oh let me have a quick check for understanding and they do some of those things to monitor their learning and and they're in turn taking ownership over that learning as well Absolutely. And you touched on something um, that I wanted to just follow up with is um, when students leave our classrooms here in the Peoria Unified School District and they go out into the world, whether they go to a trade school or to college or even into the workforce, um, having the ability to think creatively and critically and having a rigorous experience prior to going out into the world helps them to be a better employee, to really um, ask good questions, and also seek to understand um, a little bit more critically than they would have maybe um, had they not had a rigorous experience like we do here in the school district. Yeah, and in rigor, I think um, a lot of times our community thinks, oh, it's just making it harder, but it's kind of flipping learning on its side, and you're still learning all of those things, but instead of learning that two plus two is four because that is just what the answer is. You're learning why. It's that kind of why behind it that makes the learning so rigorous. Um, do you see when you're going to check in on classrooms and to do evaluations, do you see a different level of engagement in a rigorous classroom versus maybe a classroom that doesn't have as much rigor? Absolutely. When you increase rigor in the classroom, there's almost always higher levels of engagement whether it be discussions between students, be, uh, between the teacher and the students, or even covertly when students are having to think through something, engagement really does correlate with increasing rigor if it's done correctly. Um, we're tasking the students to apply their learning and understanding in new and challenging and innovative ways. So natural curiosity is peaked and students are interested in what they're learning and doing. And we know that the two biggest things that make a difference in having higher levels of learning in a classroom are really um, alignment to the standard and increasing the level of engagement for our students. And I think too, it, even for our listeners, if they were to think back to when they were a student, those lessons that maybe stick with them a little better or they still can remember some of those things, they were those lessons that were more interactive and engaging because it sparks creativity and it gets your brain kind of thinking in a different way than it traditionally would. Um, and I think also for some of our listeners, they may be thinking that rigor is something that only happens in our honors classes or in our AP courses. Is that a true statement? Sarah, I would probably say that that's not a true statement. Um, I, I've seen rigorous learning from preschool classrooms, um, from special ed classrooms. There um, always is an opportunity to challenge um, 
the thinking of our students and help them to move beyond just the easy answers. So I think that we have uh, rigorous learning and opportunities for engagement in that learning all throughout our district. That doesn't matter what classroom they're in. Well, that's great to hear. And you brought up special needs students and students in our special education programs. What does that look like um, as far as having rigorous learning for those students? Well, it is our belief here in the Peoria School District that all students can learn at higher level, high levels, even if they have a disability. Students need to be challenged and pushed to ensure that they work their, at their highest level of potential. Um, they have to be exposed to on-grade level standards with, with the support, obviously, of a, of a special education teacher, but all students can and will learn. Um, it's important that we never underestimate that our uh, students can't achieve because we know that they can. Um, it's up to us as, our, as educators to find out how students learn effectively. And it's the role of us as teachers to learn how to teach in ways that students can learn. If we have not been hitting at the right levels of rigor that we need to with students, it can be really a, a traumatic thing, um, something that we don't want to see happen. So we don't want it to, um, also, we don't want people to have the perception that rigor means doing additional work or doing um, harder assignments. It, rigor can be something, a simple task, but where students have to think outside the box and come up with their own ways to problem solve. And that's rigorous learning in and of itself. 100%. And you, you brought up that part of what your department's job is is to make sure if our teachers are not teaching something rigorously and don't have rigorous lessons that you then as a department come in and help support them. Um, and that's through coaching and professional development. Can you share a little bit about that aspect of your department? Absolutely. Our department, the larger component of our department is called academic support services. And that really uh, stands for supporting our staff and our students to make sure that we're hitting the mark and making sure that we have rigorous classrooms where students are actively engaged. So in our professional development sessions, we integrate um, engagement strategies to help our teachers see best practices to increase engagement in our classrooms. We also um, model research-based instructional pedagogy that's high-yield strategies that are critical to ensuring that teachers take away what they learn and incorporate those skills into their own classroom. We also allow our teachers to feel what academic struggle is and so that they can best meet the needs of their students and increase rigorous learning within their classrooms. Similar to classroom experience with students and depending upon the content being covered, um, our professional development sessions may be developed from a rigorous core or rigorous moments that may be embedded into the session. So we, we try to practice and model what we wanna see in our own classrooms by our teachers. Um, teachers can't be expected just to know how to provide rigorous experiences if they themselves do not know what rigor actually feels like. So we give them the opportunity to do that. And I think that's one thing your department does incredibly well too. Um, something that, you know, my past experience in the district, I worked in your department and something that I was always so inspired by and proud of 
is that your coaches, um, either your instructional or content coaches, their real goal is to teach teachers how to teach better. And so it is that idea. And I think you see it really come to life in your department that the learning never stops. So when our new teachers come to us out of college, that doesn't mean their education ended at that point. They are continually growing those skills so that they can teach better in our classrooms and serve our students better. Well, that is definitely our goal, Sarah. And, um, Thank you for that compliment. We are here to support our teachers, um, to in turn support our students and our communities. So um, that's why we're here and that's a goal of our department every single day. Yeah, and I have um, just a couple of questions before I let you go. One of them is, if I am a parent um, going into my student's classroom or for you um, when you're going in to um, evaluate a teacher or just when you walk into a classroom, what are some things our parents and community members can maybe look for or ask their students about that are indicators that that rigorous learning is occurring every day? Well, a long time ago when... Um people sometimes think of school, if, if they've been um, out of the school setting for a while, they think a quiet, orderly classroom is, is the key. And um, while the teacher may have great classroom management, uh, that doesn't always translate into rigorous and engaging learning. Um, students are typically in those type of classrooms are are just complying. So um, we want to see kids up and moving. We want to see the teacher doing some direct instruction, but also then just facilitating the learning and letting the students work hard. I always told our teachers um, when I was a building principal that the students should go home even more tired than the teacher because they've been up and moving and working and thinking um, throughout the day. Um, conversations among students, um, even discourse where students uh, have to take a side on something and be able to, um, to back it up with facts that they've learned either from their reading or being able to cite evidence that they found, those kind of things. Um, are really important. Um, in our science classrooms and social studies as well, we um, do what's called inquiry lessons, where we either pose a problem or pose a question, but then we have the students go about the um, thinking to be able to get that accomplished rather than the teacher. Um, like you use the example, two plus two is four. Well, how do you know it's four? How, do you, how did you figure that out? And having them go through that uh, process of and being able to explain their thinking. So like I said, I, I feel like our classroom should be um, have some conversation going, um, our teachers up and moving, going around the room, maybe participating with a small group of students and listening in and participating in the discussion, not just, um, just doing the instructional part of it. Great yeah, question. Yeah, and I think too, Marla, to your point is that kind of um, critical thinking and things, those are things that have been going on in our classrooms for years and um, they happen in all of our classes, not just in science and social studies, but in math. Um, I remember being in a calculus class and 
I got to one answer and my friend got to a very different answer on the same equation. And so we had to have that discourse and talk through, well, this is why I went this route in solving this problem. Why did you go that way? And applying those theories we had learned to figure out, oh, no, my friend was much better at calculus than I was. And she had applied those in the correct way, but just having those conversations and then that sharpens those skills so that the next time I have a similar equation in front of me, I now have the reasoning as to why I'm doing it correctly. Um, and it always is in a very collaborative way too, in those rigorous learning environments. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like, you know, um, I had a teacher that, uh, at one of my campuses at one time, and she did something called my favorite no. And she would pose a question, a math problem on the board, and everybody would have a three by five card and they had to solve it. And she would pick them all up and she would go through and find the question or the card that had the wrong answer and so she would go through and say this person got this answer let's figure out what what they did to get that answer and it really um, helped the student that did the wrong maybe got the wrong answer think through what could have been the the correct answer and how did that person how did why was the answer what the way it was and so it was um she did that quite often and kids would see where they made the error in the math problem or what have you. So it was pretty powerful. It, it is powerful. I remember doing something very similar to that in a lot of my ELA classrooms. And I can proudly say, I know where all my commas go now um, and what prepositions are and aren't because of those kind of conversations that um, occurred. And those conversations I had when I was in seventh and eighth grade, but I still remember them to this day. And if I'm writing something for work and I get stuck of, oh, should this go here? Or should this go here? I can think back to those conversations and remind myself what those grammar rules are as well. Yeah. Um, before <laughs> I let you go, I just want to ask, is there anything else you want to share with our community about rigor or clear up any misconceptions about what that is or isn't in our classrooms? Well, I think it goes back to what I said a little bit earlier. Um, rigor doesn't mean necessarily uh, harder. It may be just a different way of approaching uh, the learning. And it doesn't mean necessarily more work for the students and that kind of thing. It, it means having them do uh, a lot of the processing um, on their own and, and having, like I said, that academic struggle where when you do struggle um, with something, you it lasts with you a lot longer. So um, I, I've been in hundreds of classrooms in my 28 years in this district, and I, I, I'm very proud of the Peoria School District and our teaching staff. They work very, very hard every day to ensure rigorous learning and engagement for our students. So I couldn't be more proud to be a part of this organization. Oh, well, thank you so much, Marla. And I know um, you and your team are a lot to do with that and the work that you invest in those professional development sessions and just the work that you do and carry out every day. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Sarah. Take care. <music> 
hope you'll join leaders from throughout Peoria Unified for one of two parent engagement forums. The world around us has changed immeasurably in the last few years. And with new leaders at the helm in our district, now is the perfect time to adjust our approach to education and reclaim our seat as national leaders in public education. Join us as we talk about our strategic plan and get your feedback on what our district will look like for the next three to five years. Our first meeting is at Centennial High School at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, September 14th. We'll also have a virtual option on Monday, September 27th at 11.30 a.m. You can learn more about each event at peoriaunified.org forward slash parent engagement. Hello and welcome to Trending Peoria, Amy. We are so excited to have you here today to talk about rigor and why it is so important in your classroom. Before we delve too deeply into what it looks like and what it is, do you mind to share why it is so important that you teach your students a rigorous curriculum? Hi, Sarah. No, not at all. So I teach a rigorous curriculum because through my 20 years of, of teaching, I have seen how expectations for our students has changed over time. And not just like students in the classroom, but after they graduate um, high school, um, what the job forces looks like. And it's completely different. Uh, students no longer have to just be able to regurgitate facts, um, but they have to be able to use that knowledge to um, evaluate a situation, uh, to learn something um, about something they may have been given at work. Um, so they have to no longer, right? They have to use this information. They no longer have to just memorize this information. So I feel like this a rigorous curriculum teaches students how to do that, um, applying the knowledge that they have um, to real world type of situations. Definitely. And I think you bring up a lot of good points. One especially is our world has changed so much. And so if we can give our students while they're in our care, the tools and the knowledge and the wherewithal to apply what they've learned to these different situations, because especially in science, the things we know about it today, it's going to look vastly different from the things we know in four years. Um, when you are teaching your more rigorous lessons, what are some of those benefits you start to see even while students are still in your classroom? Yeah, so as I teach this rigorous um, curriculum, I really focus on um, what, what the students are getting from this. And beyond just content-specific stuff um, that they get, they also start to... Um, you know, feel empowered in the classroom, right? So it's not my me telling them what they have to learn. It's them um, embracing what they have to learn. And it's no longer my classroom, it's our classroom. Um, students also begin to develop a little persistence in what they're doing. So a lot of times I teach um, a freshman bio class, right? They come in not really having developed that. And it takes time and they, they, they start to learn that it, it's worth the persistence and the resilience that goes into, um, you know, developing their own knowledge versus me just telling them what they need to know. A hundred percent. Go ahead. Uh, 
Oh, I was going to say, I, I completely agree with that as well. And I think one of the really great things is you start to, as a student, have an ownership over what you're learning. And I you know for me, one of my favorite things when I was a high school science student was we would do a lab at the beginning of the year. And then our lab final was to redo it in some way that interested us. And we have to, had to explain why we were doing that experiment. And we had an ownership then over our project, what we were learning, applying that and just really getting to see it in action, kind of. Yeah, so I love that. Um, I might have to steal that idea and try that. <laughs> um, but yes, I, you know, just the ownership is huge. Um, students, when they own it, um, you don't you don't start you don't have the behavior problems in a classroom. Um, kids are are engaged and they're working and they're talking with each other and they're doing it and learning it together, which is, is so fun to watch in a classroom. And the excitement that you feel in the classroom is also just amazing. It kind of just makes me want to be there, right? Makes me want to be part of it. Right. And, and it too, you get to see it actually happening in real time. And you're also at that point, your students aren't just learning what this theory in biology is or in chemistry. They're learning how to collaborate and work together and problem solve so that, again, when they leave our classrooms, they're able to apply that to the real world and solve big problems. And if they're not still using every single element and it's atomic number, they're at least using some of the things they learned and those um, skills that they pick up along the way in their everyday life. Yeah. So that's what I love the most, um, is that they're doing that because that is essential. They, they have to be able to, um, they have to be able to process this information. They have to be able to work as a team to do this. Right. So I don't know how many jobs now are solo jobs. Um, you know, you have to be able to work together. Uh, as I always tell my students, you don't have to be best friends, but you have to be respectful and work with each other and listen. And I think that's really important is that they're listening to each other. Um, they're learning how to uh, show disagreement in a respectful way, right? So how do you respectfully disagree with somebody? And that always means that you're following up your disagreement with the reasoning behind it. Right. So they learn how to also argue with reasoning. And that is amazing, too. I love seeing that. I think that is one of um, the biggest benefits, especially with those more rigorous learning environments that our students, they're not just saying, well, this is this is correct because this is correct. They're actually really learning to think through, okay, well, why is this the correct answer? And how did I get to this conclusion? It's kind of like in math, if you were to do this very complex equation and then say, oh, well, this is just the answer because it's the answer without showing all of that work. And it really teaches our students how to do that in real time and with each other and in a collaborative way as well. Um, for some of these rigorous lessons and some of this teaching you do, that's in a little bit of a different way. What does that look like in your classroom on a daily basis? I know you've already touched on that a little bit. Yeah. So let me backtrack just a little bit. So the, the first week for me is extremely important in my classroom because I can't do any of this until I build a relationship with each one of my students. So I think taking the time to build a relationship um, is extremely important. And I do that and I set the tone from the very beginning. 
Um, so knowing my students is huge because if I know my students, I can figure out, um, how far I can push them and what I can do to prevent them from shutting down on me. So that's, uh, one of the things. So I'm making sure that I'm doing that in my classroom, but, um, what does it look like? Is that what you asked? Sorry. I totally yeah. lost the question. Yes. Yeah. What does it look like for you? Okay. So in my classroom, as we're doing this, um, we sit, in, we sit in groups. So we're in groups of three to four. Um, so we have ideas. Um, we are looking at hands-on doing hands-on tasks. Um, students are, um, exploring, uh, different things. Um, there might be models that I have out in front of them and they're trying to evaluate the model. It might be concepts or data that's given to them and they have to make a model. Um, so sometimes those models are physical models. Sometimes those are mental models that they draw out or they put on a piece of paper, um, which I love about the models is that as we learn throughout the unit, they can go back and assess those models and they can change them and they can see their growth over time. So mo using models in the classroom is huge for me. Um, you can also see students, um, like you said earlier, planning out investigations, carrying those investigations out, um, you know, looking at those results and seeing what has happened. Um, but mostly huge, one of the main big things is um, looking at data and um, analyzing it and interpreting it. So finding information, seeing information, and being able to use that information to find a solution or give an explanation or something along those lines. So we really touch on, we don't just touch, we dive deep into claims, evidence, and reasoning. And so whatever you say, you always have to give me evidence and reasoning for whatever it is. And that's a good lesson too, for not just in our science classroom. That's, that's again, one of those good and really excellent lessons that students are able to take with them, um, throughout their lives. And I know you said one of the first things you do is you build these relationships so you can see how does a student need to be pushed and what are some of those boundaries? If a student were to come up to you and say, Mrs. Hutter, this, this is way too hard. I can't do this. I give up. And they're kind of starting to shut down. How do you address that? And how do you get them back to being engaged and excited about this learning process? So, uh, okay. So the first thing I do when I do this, right, is I go through everything I do and I try to anticipate where I might see students getting caught or getting stuck to, to even try to prevent that from happening. Um, so I don't always get to prevent it, right? There are times where students will be like, no, I can't do this. Right. So then it's, it's also before a lesson, I always try to develop questions that are um, probing questions, questions that don't give the answer, but will help to start to lead the students to the thinking and the answering that needs to happen. And so being able to do those little things actually helps a lot. Um, like I said, they, they work in groups together. So it's not me just having a discussion with one kid. It's like, I I'm talking to the group, right. And hopefully at some point, somebody in the group starts to catch on and then everybody starts to understand it. Um, so we do a lot of different things like that. We um, do graphic organizers. Sometimes there's days in class where they're all struggling. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's stop. 
and let's do a group whole group discussion, right? Or I'll do a think aloud. So if, if this is the problem and I'm trying to figure this out, this is the way that I would be thinking to try to do that. So I kind of show the kids how to think through it by doing it with them. And I think too, you brought up one of my favorite things that I think it just especially happens so well in a science classroom, because in science, there's a lot of adventuring and there's a lot of unknowns and you're processing through it. And I, um, it's, you're teaching them how to find the answers instead of just giving them the answers and talking through some of that and processing, um, I know you said you teach freshmen and I know you have all different levels of science that you help to teach um, at the high school level. What are some of those biggest differences you see between a student when they walk into your classroom in August and when they're done with the semester in December? What are some of those growths you see in them? Yeah, so like I, I think I mentioned earlier is the biggest thing that I see is their willingness to struggle through a problem. So I'm teaching them that that whole productive struggle is a benefit. Um, when you do this, uh, you, you develop that pers persistency that's there. Um, you develop strategies that, that allow you to work through difficult problems or situations. So I hope that these, like, it's not just in a science classroom, right? These are things that can go and help them in life in general. And so you know, it allows them to, to develop these strategies. And I see that, um, with my students as we work through it, the ones that were so impatient at the beginning and that just wanted, they know they're not asking me anymore. By the end, they know that Miss Hutter's not going to give you what you want. So you need to figure it out. You and your table, your team. Um, it almost becomes a little bit of a contest at times in the classroom with the groups um, as to who's going to figure out things the fastest. So I, I like that they then become owners of of what they're learning, and it's not me. It's not me doing it. It's them doing it. Right, and they're creating kind of these little collaborative worlds within those table groups. I know um, the way you teach in your science classroom is very similar to how my teacher taught me um, many years ago. And I, I will say it is one of those things where you're throughout the semester, you're kind of with the same group more or less. And you build this relationship where you all have different roles within the team and you support each other in different ways. And then when you leave, you still have all of those amazing skills and okay, I might not have science with you next semester, but I'll have English or math. And then they have this kind of built-in support system as well um, when they go through that kind of a learning environment. Yeah, I see that. So when I see students in the hallway um, or, or even in my classroom towards the end of a semester, I'm like, hey, did you guys know each other before the school year started? And they're like, no, we just met in bio, you know, we met in your class. And so it's kind of cool to see those relationships continue. It's their support system. So they've gotten so comfortable with each other and they know that they can, you know, argue with respect with each other and, and voice their opinions and not be judged that way. And so, yeah, there are some of those, uh, you know, relationships that were built here that will last through high school. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, you're good. One last question before I let you go, Amy. 
Um, you have been a science teacher for quite some time and you've fulfilled multiple different roles. And when we're looking at what rigor looks like and how teachers can kind of teach differently to get their students more involved, why do you love to teach science so much? I, I just feel like science is a, I don't know, it just, it leads to curiosity. Um, it leads to um, just exploring the world. And so for me, because I have such a passion and my kids, my students, I call them my kids, but my students seem to think I'm a little goofy at times because they, they, hopefully most of them see that passion in me. And so teaching science is just, it just leads, I feel like into the best place to teach these kids how to, to learn about the world and, and the skills that I can teach in this classroom, um, goes beyond the four walls that I have. Right. So everything that they learn are skills that they can take and apply it to many different, um, situations, right. So other, other classes, course curricular, um, but also just even life skills, as I was telling, um, you, we, we do a lot of evidence and, and reasoning and arguing, right? So I always tell my students, we talk about CERs, hey, I'm going to teach you how to argue. You can do really good at it if you follow this. So if you're in a, you know, trying to get something from your parents, right? <laughs> this is how you do it, right? You got to give them evidence and reasoning to support that. They're not going to listen if you can't do that. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but at least you're given a good, you know, a good can, reason. Yeah, you can state your opinion. I think, um, as the daughter of a science teacher, that might be part of the reason why my mom doesn't like having those <laughs> constructive conversations with me all the time. Right. Um, you were taught well, <laughs> but it is really true. I think there's, um, especially in science, I know sometimes it can feel a little fruitless because of how quickly it changes. But I think if we're able to teach our students, how to think critically about some of those things. And if they understand the basics and they really learn it and really understand it, they can then apply it. So then if there is a new discovery made, they can say, okay, this doesn't completely underwrite all of this amazing education I've received. I'm just going to apply it now in this new way based on this new evidence. Right. And so we spend some time talking about that, right? That science is changing all the time. Um, I <laughs> Shoot, what I learned about 20 years ago, 25 plus in high school um, is, is so different. And so even for me as a teacher, I need to keep up on the new things and learn and continue to progress in my knowledge of science. And so that's we talk about that in the classroom. OK, so here's the situation. This is um, the way it is now. And then all of a sudden I provide them with a new piece of information. Oh, so how are you going to make this information fit? Or do we need to change our thinking? So being able to be flexible in our thinking is important too. Um, and so we talk about that and not, you know, like I said, it's not just science, right? This goes across everything. Correct. A hundred percent. Well, Amy, I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk a little bit about what rigor looks like, what it looks like in your classroom and how you are continuing to challenge your students and their thinking um, in a way that helps them grow and is really productive. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to add or share with our community? Uh, just, you know, I think the hardest thing is sometimes, um, 
our community sometimes doesn't see, you have to be careful with the word rigor, I think, mm-hmm. um, right? It's not just piling on homework. It's just not making something that's uh, supposed to take, you know, maybe 90 minutes to do and make it done in 30 minutes. Like that's not it. It's, it's about the thinking and the process that goes behind it. And so just understanding that, I think understanding that what you used to do and even how I was taught in high school Um, teaching looks different and it should look different. That's the expectation that should be out there is that your students should not be sitting in the classroom doing what you did 25, 30 years ago. It shouldn't look the same. Definitely. I think that's what helps then prepare them for the workforce because the workforce also doesn't look the same as exactly right. So that's it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. Trending Peoria is produced by Peoria Unified on a bi-weekly basis. A special thank you to our communications and public relations team, including Danielle Airy, Aaron Dunsey, Jacob Stanick, David Colley, Marquita Strunk, and Sarah Meredith. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at Peoria Unified 11, on Facebook at Peoria School District. And to stay up to date on trending Peoria, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.